suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother JS to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Welcome to Memento f- number 15, Xerxes 12, uh-oh, Forbidden Fruit 6. Now we left off our last episode with Xerxes having been, you know, the king of kings, having been frustrated when his brother's wife, oh, refused his sexual advances, just completely shut him down. Very brave on her part. So Xerxes then ordered plan B put into effect. He ordered his son Darius marry O's daughter, Ardente, and then ordered his the newlyweds to take residence in the royal palace alongside himself and his insanely jealous and insanely cruel wife, Queen Amestris. As for her cruelty, there was no justification. As for the jealousy thing, well, she was on solid ground there. No doubt she knew her man. And she wasn't going to stand by him like Governor of New York, Elliot Spitzer's, former Governor of New York, Elliot Spitzer's wife would, though I admit, albeit under completely different circumstances in a different epoch. So therefore, step number five on our path to perdition. Xerxes, that slimeball of a husband and father that he was, began screwing his son's wife a disgusting betrayal of one's family. Both his wife and son betrayed simultaneously. And this this circumstance turns out it's not unique in the annals of history. And it's not unlike the president of Hillsdale College in Michigan, who 2,500 years later betrayed his wife and son by embarking upon a long-term and I mean long-term, sexual liaison with his son's wife. His son was then a professor at Hillsdale College. Oh, this is ugly. Truly, how do, how do people, how do such people live with themselves? And when, and when reports of the incestuous, scandalous affair between the president of Hillsdale College and his son's wife, Lisa, became public knowledge, events turned far far more sinister when the ashamed daughter-in-law elected suicide by gunshot, an exit strategy often relied upon and favored by Ernest Hemingway and his extended family. And then she saw this as the only possible way by which she might escape the, the deserved humiliation she was certain that would be coming her way. And there'd be little light at the end of that long, dark tunnel. But there is this to consider, though. There was an argument that was current at the time that made the rounds that Lisa was not indeed embarrassed, not embarrassed that others might become aware that she had been screwing her father-in-law. To her, this was no big deal. As a grown, modern woman, she'd sleep with whomever she wanted to. You know, I am woman, hear me roar sort of stuff. Rather, 
she shot herself because she had been depressed at learning that her father-in-law had dumped her for still yet another woman with whom he had taken up, and, and that new one was not his, his wife either. Oh, the heartache and all this. You might even say that he might have been torn between two lovers, if you get my drift. Neither one of which was his own wife. You know, and this is always a dilemma in life. The president of Hillsdale College? You might, you might ask, what happened to this guy? Well, well, nothing really. He simply, simply just retired, pension plan in place, walked away from his job to fade into the sunset, enjoy his well-earned retirement after all the good work he had done at the college, as if it were all just no big deal. By the way, in his mind, it, it wasn't his fault, this triangulation of women, all of whom found him so sexually attractive. I mean, what had he done wrong? How could he have prevented all this? You get the idea. And obviously, it wasn't a big deal to him. And as we've discussed in our last episode, in the fight to get to the top of one's profession, one's field, one must be willing to leave people behind. And George Roach III, president of Hillsdale College, he was willing to do just that, even if, the, if they were left behind in body bags. And his son, well, his son be damned. His wife, mere cannon fodder. You know, sociopaths can do this because, well, because they can. That, and they have no conscience whatsoever. Zero degrees of empathy for anybody else. And Xerxes... He had been exhibit A and all this kind of stuff. There is always, always collateral damages in these kind of circumstances. Hair-triggered tempers, and well, triggers themselves, are pulled. There's a body count. But let's make this clear. George Roach III, the president of Hillsdale, was a complete and total scumbag. I want to make that clear. A lowlife upon whom it is not possible to heap too much opprobrium as one might feel appropriate to the circumstance. He deserves all the shit you and I might want to bury him in. And, and as for the daughter-in-law, Lisa Roach, you know, in some circumstances to be branded with you know, a Nathaniel Hawthorne, you know, scarlet letter A, that appears harsh, very harsh indeed. Maybe you think this is old-fashioned, out of touch with modern American sensibilities. In PC America, it approaches anathema to think that any woman would be branded with a scarlet letter A. We don't do things like that anymore because, well, well, because we don't judge people or judge their behavior, right, wrong, whatever. Consenting adults, they're free to do whatever they want. Well, let, let me make this perfectly clear. I think Lisa Roach is a complete sleazebag. Why? For sleeping with her husband's father for 19 years. 19 years. 
What a worthless slut. I've already called him a lowlife scumbag, so I am consistent if nothing else. Both of them are complete slime. I do have some standards that do remain sacrosanct. And before, you know, branding me as some uptight, white guy, inhibited, inflexible, intolerant, um, irredeemable, Victorian chauvinist, let me make this one argument. In the case of Lisa Roach, I suggest she did all she possibly could have to earn that scarlet letter A. Lisa Roach was married to Hillsdale College professor uh, George Roach IV for 21 years. And for 19 of those years, she conducted a sexual affair with her married father-in-law, George III. This was, and, and by the way, this was, this was not some unscrupulous, maybe excusable, though, you know, in my mind, unforgivable, lapse in good judgment, you know, a, a lapse in fidelity, a single night's betrayal in an otherwise honorable long-term marriage, you know, nor was it a product of, you know, midnight madness, you know, some craziness due to a drunken state, you know, excess passion, run amok for one night or two nights or three nights or or a week or she went off the rails for just several months no 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 lisa roach screwed her father-in-law for the last 19 years of her of her 21 year marriage this qualifies her by net definition as pond scum so 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 now let's return to our protagonist in this this episodic adventure of you know our protagonist Xerxes, Ardente, and Queen Amestris, and it also violates, of course, Darius and Mesistes as well. So step number six on the path to perdition: the royal courts being what they were, Queen Amestris had her ear to the ground. She had a sense something unseemly was going on right there in the royal palace. You know, word gets around, as it had to. Oh, her dirty dog husband. Think, think of the late, you know, Queen Elizabeth and all the crap that she's had to deal with or had to deal with before her death. And you get the picture. There really are no secrets. No secrets at this level of either government or royalty. There just aren't. You know, the House of a Thousand Eyes was the name that was given by Berliners to Stasi headquarters because, well, they, they knew everything about everybody. So, too, it turns out, in the royal palace. And in that vein, it was not long before Queen Amestris learned her daughter-in-law was boinking her man, the king, the king of kings. This was a problem. You know, hell hath no fury they say, like a woman scorned. You have no idea. You have no idea. This, this really, this screwing around by the king really pissed off the queen. Not, you know, not only mad on her own behalf, but mad as well on behalf of her cuckolded son as well, cuckolded by his own scumbag father, no less. That king, that dirty dog, Queen Amestris, was, was now outraged on her own behalf. And you only thought, you know, these kind of things happened, at, you know, at Hillsdale College or in the dysfunctional 
Jerry Falwell, extended, extended family at Liberty University. Well, you'd be wrong about that. First comes knowledge, and then comes action, as we're about to see. So step number seven on the path to perdition. Queen Amestris, you know, kind of like Dirty Harry, she wanted some revenge. Bad. Real bad. Oh, so bad. And this queen, she was not about to stand by her man, Tammy Wynette style. No, she was not. She was not going to do it. She was not going to sit on the couch like Hillary Clinton did when her falsely contrite husband explained how he violated trust, let his family down, blah, blah, blah. No way. This queen was not taking that. This this queen meant, Queen of Mestres meant business. And she was intent on taking action, Balkan style. She, she was going to go all El Chapo on her target in this situation. You know, and as, you know, with Richard Nixon, she had an enemies list. In her case, a very short one, but it was an enemies list, list no doubt. And, and if you remember, as with poor Fredo, who violated the Corleone family rules, Michael Corleone had to do something. He had to respond. Family honor was at stake. And if you remember, Michael did. Michael issued orders. And at least Fredo did not suffer. Queen, Queen Amestris, she plotted her revenge. But it included suffering. Ooh, a message was going to be sent. And her plan would leave marks. She was a psycho. The question would remain, who was the target, though? Who was the target? Now, Queen Amestris devised a diabolical plan to get her revenge in a manner, in a manner that would require the King of Kings himself to play a role, a big, nasty role in all the frightful personal destruction that was to follow. But that was not for her to be concerned about. The queen knew that Xerxes to be, he was a shameless, a real big spineless pussy. Let's put it that way. So in the end, she'd abuse whomever she wanted to abuse and use whoever she had to use to get what she wanted done. Strong men create good times. Weak men create hard times. And the queen was fully cognizant. Xerxes himself was an extremely weak man. Weak man, and she herself was a monster. Uh-oh, this is a bad combination, even on a good day. The queen, though, was willing to bide her time, as only a psychotic, psychotic can. And the patience of the mentally ill can be astonishing when it's finally discovered. Looking back in time, it's astonishing how patient the mentally ill can be. And Queen Amestris stewed until it was her birthday. Birthdays, as it turns out, were important days on the Persian calendar. They were not to be forgotten, at least not in 480 BC. And the king, he knew this. And he, like most adulterous cheaters, he knew that his wife, the queen, she knew something, suspected something. But exactly what she knew about what he'd been up to, he didn't know that. And he, and he, and he couldn't say. For sure, he wasn't going to say anything. He knew that. And when you think about it, really, I mean, what really would Xerxes say to his maniacal wife, queen, hey, 
um, darling, honey, uh, queenie, dearie. Um, I, I, I seem to have made an error here, uh, a slight mistake in judgment. I, I have been having sex. I've been having sex for a while um, with our son's wife, you, you know, our daughter-in-law. And, and, and I tried to do her mother, oh, but she wasn't having any of it. So, no, she wasn't. So I moved on to her daughter instead, who's proven a great deal more amenable to fulfilling my sexual instincts, drives, and advances. So, so you can see it really isn't personal, honey, queen. And, and more than that, I assure you, none of this means anything to me. She means nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. You, my queen, you, my queen, you mean the world to me. Are you kidding me? You think that queen on that day is taking that crap lying down? I don't think so. That was never that was never a viable option for a king. Even the king of kings in 480 BC, it wasn't happening. The queen was definitely pissed off. She was hiding something. She didn't divulge a thing. But you know, but unlike Marvin Gaye, she knew what was going on here. But she wasn't going to make Xerxes. She was going to make Xerxes sweat it out. You know, smoke him out. Only time would tell. What exactly did the queen know? And Xerxes knew the degree, the degree of his own sliminess, his own perversion, and it was on the order of magnet, uh, you know, of magnitude, of you know, uh, you know, equating to the mamas and papas lead singer John Phillips, who had sex with his daughter for Mackenzie Phillips for something like ten years, and her life was understandably marred by drug abuse and arrest. It was just terrible, the poor thing, and Xerxes' behavior. Believe it or not, was even was even far worse than Jesse Jackson's behavior. Even, you know, impregnating woman, women, who knows, other than his wife, and and then utilize his charitable foundation's funds to keep at least one mistress silent. You know, to keep her shut up. Mean meantime, you know, Jackson. It was out race baiting, referring to New York City as Jaime Town, um, evangelizing, evangelizing the word and propagating his seed, as it turns out. While his son, Jesse Jr. and his wife were, were both busy, too, you know, practicing corruption to levels that warrant criminal charges. And um, they were convicted and both were sent to prison. You know, orange is a new black sort of thing. Masters at the art of corruption. Um, well, whether young Jesse, Jesse Jackson Jr., would have been better off, you know, been steered away from a life of immorality and crime had he spent more or less time with his morally deficient, philandering, spiritualizing father's hard to say. The jury, if you will, is still out deliberating that question. You know, Jesse Sr., <laughs> I mean, you can't make this stuff up. The good reverend, you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton's closest spiritual and moral advisor. Oh, my God. Remember them kneeling together, holding hands, the three of them praying in the White House, all at the request of Chelsea Clinton, allegedly. I mean, if you are willing to believe that Clinton nonsense, (laughs) that would be unbelievable. It was, by the way, in history, just a beautiful, memorable 
family moment. As for, as for Jesse Jackson's wife, after learning more about Jesse's love child, I, be- I believe she provided us a clear picture of the, st- the extent of the good reverend's wandering eye lusting after all that forbidden fruit when she reported. And let me get my notes here to make sure I, I, I get this right. Here's a quote directly from Mrs. Jesse Jackson. I don't know what her first name is. My portion of Jesse Jackson is mine. And when I say that, let me explain. I can't spend too much time worrying about other women if I am to develop myself. Then I'd be chasing all around this country. (laughs) Okay, okay, Mrs. Jackson, I think we get the picture. Jesse's got a wandering eye. So anyway, back to our protagonist, Xerxes. He had a wandering eye. And he found himself in a dastardly mess. It's Queen Amestris's birthday. And that Persian tradition of long-standing duration, it's customary the king grant his wife her birthday wish. Any and all wishes. Uh Uh-oh. And they tell me we're on the eve of destruction. Hey, hope you'll turn on, tune in, drop in on our next episode of, of, of Things I've Learned While Learning Other Things when we are going to discuss Queen Amestris's birthday wish. Buckle up. Bye-bye. I am in a far-off place. Half of a world away And there's so much to do And there's so much to see Mother Nature's had her way There are mountains and valleys And beautiful hills Each vista something new And though my imagination Has been captured My thoughts they return to you Admit that I'm scared So can you try